0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? It is time for the tech news for Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. And first... Our quick obligatory update on the Elon Musk Twitter situation. Twitter wants to take Musk to court as early as September uh, in order to force him to acquire the company that he agreed to acquire. Musk has argued that more time is needed to prove that Twitter is infested with bots to a point that would justify backing out of the agreement to purchase the company. So he wants to push the trial to February of next year, late February. I might add. And today, a judge will hear Twitter's motion for a September trial and make a decision on that. So it's possible that later this week, we'll actually know when this is going to head to the courts. The general sense that I'm picking up reading various analyst takes about this case is that Musk's argument is exceedingly weak. A lot of folks feel that it's pretty much all but guaranteed that the courts will force him to either go through the deal or he'll have to pay a hefty settlement to get out of it. But don't take anything for granted. When it comes to Elon Musk, sometimes the absurd is normal. So while that seems to be the general sense at the moment, doesn't necessarily mean that's where things are going to head. Albania's government has been digitizing its agencies over the recent past, And it launched an online portal for most government agencies and departments earlier this year. Now the government has had to take those websites offline because of a cyber attack. The government said the attack was synchronized and sophisticated and that it originated outside of Albania. The government is currently working with Microsoft as well as a cybersecurity company to get systems back online and safe from further attacks. No word as of the time of this recording on who was responsible for carrying out those attacks or what their goal was beyond disruption. Russia has hit Google with a 21.1 billion ruble fine. That amounts to about $374 million. And you might wonder, okay, well, what's the deal? Well, the Russian government says that Google has failed to remove prohibited information namely information regarding Russia's invasion and war in Ukraine. Google has also blocked state-backed Russian media from posting on platforms like YouTube, so that is a double whammy against the Russian government, which has been leaning really hard on its propaganda machine to fight back against Russian citizens' opposition to the war in Ukraine. The Affinity Credit Union, which is based in the United States uh, state of Iowa, has filed a lawsuit against Apple. At the heart of this complaint is yet another charge of Apple engaging in anti-competitive practices, something we've heard a lot of in the recent past. This time, it's regarding its mobile wallet and a contactless payment system. So essentially, this lawsuit argues that Apple requires all payment card issuers, that is, credit cards and debit cards, to use Apple's mobile wallet if They want their customers to be able to use contactless payment. Apple only allows its own digital wallet to to use that feature. So while you could download a different digital wallet on an iOS device, that wallet would not be able to take advantage of contactless payment. Further, to get access to Apple's mobile wallet, payment card issuers have to pay a fee on all credit or debit transactions. Now, if you contrast that with Android... You can actually, on an Android device, have all sorts of different mobile wallets downloaded to the device, and all of them can use contactless payment, and they don't levy fees on payment card issuers. And so you can see where there's some fuel for a lawsuit here. Apple has been the target of numerous lawsuits like this one fairly recently, as more companies and governments scrutinize the company's practices. And over the last few years, Apple has really leaned more heavily on being a company that offers and facilitates services more than being a company known for focusing on new, innovative hardware. Uh, of course, Apple still does make hardware, still releases hardware. We still get new iPhones and, and Macs and all that kind of stuff. But it's been a few years since Apple has really been touted as a, an innovative hardware company. and. Tim Cook has really put a lot of enthusiasm behind developing Apple as a services company because, of course, you can only sell a piece of hardware to a person once, right? If I sell you an iPhone, I can't sell that same iPhone a second time. But if I get you on a service that has a recurring subscription fee, I can have a paying customer for, you know, an indeterminate amount of time. It's not just a a one-time thing. So Tim Cook has really pushed the company into that kind of revenue model. However, the structures that Apple has built in order to give itself a dominant position on its own platform has brought it under scrutiny. And it may turn out that this focus on services is going to cause a lot more headaches as Apple tries to avoid accusations of restricting competition on its own platforms. Well, I don't know if you happen to know this, but we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Anyway, that pandemic has forced some rapid and dramatic changes across our lives, which is, again, staying the obvious. And that includes how we work. And that leads us to our next story, which is that Meta, the company that owns, you know, Facebook and Instagram, has discovered that when hiring folks who wanted to work remotely, they actually saw an unexpected side benefit that the new hires were more diverse than what the company typically saw when it would hire new employees who were coming in to work at the office. So there were more women and there were more people of color in the hires that they were bringing on. The Washington Post ran an article about this showing that the hiring saw people from underrepresented groups joining the company in larger numbers than before. Now, I've always been a big proponent of Purposefully making moves like that, you know, actively and consciously working to diversify a workforce because more perspectives and different ways of, of coming up with ideas can have an enormous benefit on a company's operations. And it can also help a company avoid making decisions that would, in hindsight, be viewed as being what I like to call boneheaded or misogynistic or racist. It's good to have voices that can say, hey, that's not such a good idea on occasion, Anyway, this report suggests that these underrepresented groups are more comfortable working remotely. And it further indicates that Silicon Valley offices aren't really known for their diversity. So not surprisingly, the region isn't really favored by underrepresented groups who might feel pressured or they might encounter microaggressions as they go to the office every day. And of course, by working from home, They sidestep a lot of that and it ends up causing less stress on their lives as they try and do their jobs. So when I read these articles, I realize that, you know, listening really is important and that folks like me need to do a lot more listening. Uh, Anyway, it was interesting consequence that that followed the move to remote work, you know, to see this increase in diversity. And hopefully we'll see increased diversity in meta and other tech companies moving forward because Honestly, we all benefit from that. One issue that has plagued Amazon, apart from its workers having the temerity to want to unionize the radicals, is the issue of fake reviews. Uh, Fake reviews skew results in Amazon's searches, and they guide people to purchasing products that don't justify the glowing five-star ratings that have been posted by fake accounts or people who were paid or otherwise compensated in order to, to generate positive reviews, and Amazon has made another big move to push back against this trend of fake reviews by taking legal action against more than 10,000 Facebook group administrators. So those groups, according to Amazon, coordinate and facilitate fake reviews for Amazon products or products that are listed on Amazon, not just Amazon products. And They promise free stuff to folks who will post fake reviews for a selection of products, Amazon has been waging war against fake reviews for a while now, going so far as to ban certain merchants from the platform, even really big, notable ones. But this is interesting to see them going after the groups that are meant to, to recruit people to post these fake reviews. OK, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have a few more news items. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. as important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, what good it? Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and the last star business. I understand now, it is a wise man who marries a wiser woman listen to fodor's guide to espionage on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts hey i'm jay shetty and i'm the host of on purpose on purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier healthier and more healed this week i talked to tiffany haddish in a hilarious deep thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma have fun, but then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Okay, we're back. Next news item up: Clear Trip, a flight booking website that's popular in India. Though lots of places actually use Clear Trip, it's just mostly used in India. Uh, It's also a company, by the way, that Walmart has a majority ownership in, has recently had a data breach that was serious enough to prompt the company to alert customers about it. The company says that someone gained illegal and unauthorized access to, quote, a part of ClearTrip's internal systems, end quote. They also said the intrusion only essentially scraped surface level data, like a customer's profile information, but not like their sensitive info like passwords and payment methods and such. Although they did say, hey, if it makes you feel better, you can reset your password. The newspaper, the register, contacted ClearTrip to get more information about this. They asked what data did the intruder specifically gain access to? Uh, How much were they able to access? How did they gain access into the system in the first place? Did they extract any information? Is that detectable? And when the heck did this happen? And when did ClearTrip actually alert customers? Now, when it happened is a big deal because India has a law that states any company that detects a data breach has the responsibility to report the breach to authorities within six hours. Anyway, as of this recording, ClearTrip had not clarified the matter. Samsung tweeted out a series of messages that created a puzzle for the curious. Uh, the puzzle included a message saying, when will something greater arrive? And then this was followed by six circles and each circle had, had slightly different shades, different colors of circles. And another message had a grid of letters, symbols, and numbers uh, arranged. And then a third message had a, a grid, similar grid, same width, same height. But instead of numbers and symbols and such, it had circles with different colors in them. Now, collectively, that puzzle would reveal a date. And see, what would happen is you would have to look at those six circles in the first picture. And then you would find identical shaded circles that were in the third picture, the circles that were in the grid. So you'd find the ones that matched the shade. So circle number one had matched a a specific circle within the grid. Then you would look for the corresponding symbol that was in the same, same position of the grid on picture number two. I know it sounds confusing, but ultimately, if you did all this matching you would discover that the an, an original message was spelling out the date zero eight one zero two two, which, if we're reading dates the way we Americans do, which is the right way, that would be august tenth twenty twenty two Of course, could be that we're supposed to read the date the wrong way, in which case it's the eighth of october twenty twenty two But you know that would just be silly, right? It's got to be August, right? Either way, most folks expect Samsung will be announcing a few new products, including a Galaxy Fold 4, a Galaxy Flip 4, and a Galaxy Watch 5. Hopefully, the announcement itself will be more exciting than the puzzle was. Earlier in this episode, I talked about how Elon Musk is leaning hard on the bots issue on Twitter to justify backing out of the acquisition deal. Well, other folks apparently leaned on bots hard to elevate the call for Warner Brothers to release the so-called Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie. Rolling Stone reports that fake accounts and bots amplified the message and that it was above the normal threshold. You know, bots usually make up 3-5% to 5% of all accounts that are involved in conversations on trending topics. But when it came to the Snyder Cut, it was more like 13%. Now granted, that still means around 87% of all the accounts that were calling for a Snyder cut were legitimate. They were from real users, so it's not like this was a wholly manufactured online crusade. But it is an interesting outlier. Like, why, why this topic? Why were more bots calling for this than anything else? Uh, Warner Media actually investigated the issue after receiving numerous complaints that the call for the Snyder cut wasn't all it appeared to be, which makes you wonder. Why, like, (laughs) why was this such a big deal? Why were people so upset one way or the other? I mean, I get why, like, fans wanted to see what the original intended movie was, but I don't, I don't know why there was controversy on either side, apart from, like, some other issues with Snyder, but uh, I don't know. This one really confuses me. And why bring bots into it? I need to know. So I'm hoping that we learn more about this. The MIT Technology Review has a fun article titled, Sony's Racing AI Destroyed Its Human Competitors By Being Nice and Fast. So we're talking about car racing here, and we're actually talking about video game or simulated car racing using Gran Turismo as the game engine, so to speak. Sony developed an AI that could operate within the rules of the game. So by that, I mean, this AI was... Operating like an actual driver. It was not able to bend physics and cheat. I know anyone who's played racing games knows that sometimes these games will fudge the physics a bit. Like there's always cases with things like rubber banding. Rubber banding is when um, the, the, you know, if, if you get too far ahead of all the AI controlled cars, they suddenly magically catch up to you as if they were attached to you by an invisible rubber band. That was not going on here, at least according to Sony, that was not the case. Like this was all legit where the AI had to operate by the same rules as any human driver would. And it quickly showed that on a blank racetrack, it could it could actually race faster than humans could. It didn't do so well in full races, like when the the racetrack had a whole group of human drivers in it. The AI wasn't as competitive until Sony went and tweaked the AI, brought it back, and then it did really well and was able to to beat human drivers again. Uh, The AI, which is called GT Sophie, interacts with the game 10 times a second. It collects information about the AI vehicle's position relative to the track as well as relative to the other racers. And it also tracks the physical forces that are all acting upon the vehicle, which means it quote-unquote knows when to do things like apply the brakes or begin a turn without pushing the car past its limitations. The article goes into a bit more detail as to the process that Sony used to train the AI, and it's really interesting stuff. So if you're interested in this topic, I recommend you check that article out. Again, it is titled, Sony's Racing AI Destroyed Its Human Competitors by Being Nice and Fast, And it's in the MIT Technology Review. Finally, and in similar news, Microsoft recently announced Project AirSim, which, quote, uses the power of Azure to generate massive amounts of data for training AI models on exactly which actions to take at each phase of flight, from takeoff to cruising to landing, end quote, according to Jake Siegel of Microsoft. The idea is that Project AirSim will create realistic simulations of various flight conditions while training AI on how to pilot an aircraft in those situations, all with the goal to accelerate autonomous aircraft development. And when I say aircraft, you could really substitute the word drone in there pretty reliably. So, Microsoft has built a platform that will allow drone manufacturers to refine their autonomous flying systems. This product replaces an earlier one that was just called AirSim, but that one required customers to have a deeper knowledge and experience with machine learning systems. Project AirSim simplifies matters. It kind of keeps all that pesky coding stuff behind a user interface that's more intuitive for customers to use. And that's it for the news for Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. If you have any suggestions for future topics on Tech Stuff, please reach out to me. One way to do that is to download the iHeartRadio app, navigate to Tech Stuff, use that little microphone icon, record a voice message up to 30 seconds in length, and let me know. Or you can reach out on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. That's C-O-N-C-U-R It's brand new season two.